their enemy is a tall order. It really is. It's, it's beyond what's possible for us to do in our own power. And when you reach the impossible for you, you step out into the possible for God, and then you're really living the Christian life. Because remember, the Spirit of God was put in you for you to live supernaturally. For you to live over, above, and beyond what's normal, what's, uh, <clears throat> what's possible for you. That, that's why God did it. Now, <clears throat> loving your enemy, though, that is stretching it. And by the way, <clears throat> if you're supposed to love your enemy... You're supposed to love everybody else up along the line, too. It works backwards up along the line, right? You know, if it's possible for you to love your enemy, it's possible for you to love anyone. Uh, and we do need to understand that's tough. That's not natural. That's not normal. That's not something that you can actually do by yourself. Uh, you're going to have to have some extraordinary power if you're going to really do that. If you're going to love those people that really have no time for you, that treat you badly and treat you wrong, you're going to have to draw on some power that's way above and beyond yours. Clarence Darrow, the, the famed criminal lawyer, once joked, everyone is a potential murderer. I have not killed anyone, but I frequently get satisfaction out of obituary, obituary notices. Um, uh, why do we find that humorous? Because for all of us, at some point, there's been somebody there, we'd be just as happy if they were gone. Now, we never say that because we're Christians, right? Uh, but what's inside our hearts and what we're saying on the outside are two different things very often, right? Uh, and this this command to love your enemies is <clears throat> tough. But let me ask you a question before we start. Did Jesus mean for us to do it, or was he just giving us a nice, tidy little picture of what we should be? Did he actually mean for us to do it? Is it a command? Let's read it, and I'll ask you the question again, right? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. And we're reading from <clears throat> verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. All right, so the command is to love your enemies. Did Jesus intend for us to keep it in 2012? Yes. You want to answer me? The reason I'm asking you to answer me is because I want to have half my case built before we actually go look at it, right? I want you to, I want you to admit that it's for you uh, before we begin uh, to deal with it. So did, 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 did Jesus command us to do it? All right, that's, that's wonderful, right? Uh, but could we get a bit more of a hearty, you know what I mean? If I was asking you, did you want ice cream, I'd get a much more hearty uh, yes out of you than that, all right? Did Jesus intend for us to do it? Okay, all right. Is it therefore possible to do it? Jesus didn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. He's telling us to do something that is possible, yes? All right, okay, so what we've got to do is, listen, this is for you. If you have an enemy, 
and this word is true, you should leave this place tonight loving that enemy. Right? That's what it's saying. Right? You should leave this place loving that enemy. Now, we do, of course, have to look at what does it mean to love your enemy. Now, typically, when we hear the word love, um, we confuse it with the emotional uh, feelings that are associated with the word love for us. Right? We confuse it with the idea, you know, uh, it was interesting talking to the Polish church, very interesting talking across languages. You know, when you're trying to talk, we were trying to talk about the, um, uh, the idea of being in love, uh, what they came up with was butterflies in your tummy. <laughs> that, that, that's, 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 how we, that's how we cross the divide so they could understand that, right? The idea of infatuation they couldn't catch, but they caught that, right? Uh, butterflies in your tummy, right? Now, well, here's the deal. You know, you can't, emotionally, feelingly command yourself to love someone, can you? That's impossible. Um, Jesus loved uh, everybody. Even the people who were crucifying him. Did he have an emotionally tender feeling for them? No. He did what was right as far as those people were concerned, though. He did not show hatred. Instead, he showed love. He did them good. He did the right thing for them. So we've got to understand that when we're talking about loving our enemies, we're not talking about you changing the way you feel about them. Although, if you change what you do towards them, what you feel will also change. Because really, there's two opposites in this thing. Either you're going to love your enemies or you're going to hate them. Either you're going to forgive or you're going to be bitter. You like to think that you stand in the middle ground, that you kind of hold this middle ground between you and your enemies and you don't really care about them and you don't really... But you know, so often what's wrong is we're bitter against those people that have hurt us. And we can't love them and we can't come to the place where we really want their good and we're, we're in bondage to them, although we hate to admit it. And God is going to give us the how-to of loving them. He's not going to give us the how-to of how to feel about them. He's going to give us the how-to of how to actually love those people that are your enemies. And that's, that's what this passage is about. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, that, that's what God is telling us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to us. He's telling us how to love our enemies. And it's talking about things for you to do, not things for you to feel. Aren't you glad for that? So you know what? What God is asking of you is possible by an act of your will. And I guarantee you, if you by an act of your will will do what God God is calling you to do, what's going to happen is your feeling in the situation is going to change too. It won't change maybe uh, to the infatuation idea, but it will change. Because it's so easy for us to be caught up in bitterness that is consuming and we can't let go of it and it's eating us up and it's chewing us up. And if there's somebody tonight that you can't, that, that you can't bear to think of, that you can't bear to look them in the eye. Someone tonight that, listen, you know, it would just kill you and, you know, everything rises up inside you when you see them and you, re, you, you feel threatened and you feel angry and you feel a whole lot of stuff. Listen, you can change that tonight. You can turn that around. You can be different towards that person. Not in your power because you're not able to, but in the power of God, right? <clears throat> Okay, to our text then here, right? Verse 43, you've heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's that's the normal thing. 
That's the, the normal way. It's very easy for us to, 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 to love uh, our neighbor uh, and hate our enemies, love those people that are good to us, love those people that are concerned about us, and hate those people that, uh, that are against us and don't like us. Uh, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Right? That's the command. Love your enemies. And by the way, you can't get around it. You know, love is a positive thing. Love is not a, you know, a passive thing. Love is not something, well, well, I don't hate them. That's not love. Not to hate somebody does not equate with loving them. Love is actually a positive thing going on between you and the other person that's actually saying you care about them, you love them. And it has to be, right? Um, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Now, the idea of to curse you here is to tear you down, is to uh, say rotten things about you, is to look to actually, you know, pull you apart verbally uh, to your face maybe uh, and to everyone else and anyone else that they can actually do it. By the way, that's never loving, right? You can never... Say it's loving when you're tearing somebody apart and criticizing them and gossiping about them. That that's never ever loving. It's not loving. You're not you're not being loving if you're doing that, right? That that's what an enemy does. Okay, but when somebody does that to you, when somebody is tearing you down, speaking bad of you, uh, <clears throat> and bringing your name into disrepute, you are to bless them. Now, to bless them means basically to speak well of them. That's kind of a tall order, isn't it? Don't I have to even the score by saying bad things about them? Uh, <clears throat> well, no. What you got to do is you got to bless them. You got to speak well of them. Uh, <clears throat> let me read you an illustration here about uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, <clears throat> Someone once asked Abraham Lincoln what he thought of Stephen Douglas. He said, I find him to be a great leader and an incredible speaker. Then they said, he has been critical of you. I thought you were enemies. Lincoln replied, you asked me what I thought of Stephen Douglas and not what Mr. Douglas thought of me. There it is in, there it is in, in practical reality. Uh, Lincoln was an incredible character. I am not sure that he was saved, but he was definitely an incredible character uh, and <clears throat> some great things going on uh, in his life. But here was a man who was tearing him down, and when, when Lincoln is asked, what he says about him is good. Douglas was cursing Lincoln, and Lincoln was blessing Douglas. Now look, that's hard, isn't it? But you could do that. That's not easy for you to do with somebody who's made themselves your enemy. That's not easy for you to do with somebody who's torn you down, and who said bad things about you, and who can, maybe continues to do it today. But it's something that you could do. What you'd need to do is you'd need to turn your will and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start speaking well of them and not bad. Now, it's not easy, but, but possible for you to do. Amen? We could do this, couldn't we? We could actually take and we could turn this thing around. Not the norm for our society, not the norm perhaps for your life, but possible. And since Jesus is telling you to do it, very important that you actually do it. Nice so possible and important that you should do it. All right, so let's, let's continue on here. Um, <clears throat> do good to them that hate you. Now, <clears throat> being hated is pretty horrible. 
It's the kind of thing that gets in under your skin and just can do you a damage. You know, when you face off with somebody who's angry and who's, you know, uh, sending out angry signals your way and letting you know how much they detest you, I'm telling you, that's not does something to you. That, that, that can, just, can just bite into you pretty deeply. We don't like being hated. You know, we'd much sooner forget about the person that hates us. We'd much sooner not be around them. But, but see what it says there? It says, do good. Now, what you've got on the one side is you've got a heart that passionately wants to do you wrong. A heart that, given any chance, would take and would do you an injury in a heartbeat. And what God is saying to you is, now don't be like them. Do them good. Now, doing something like that good might not be something you can do openly. If you go up to your enemy, you know, with a gift... You're going to be in trouble. <clears throat> that, that, that's going to create all kinds of conflict. But you can do good for people that they know nothing about. I read a story about a Christian couple, and a man in their business had embezzled 27,000 from them. That would kind of hurt, wouldn't it? <clears throat> uh, you know, you'd be feeling the pinch of that. Uh, 27,000 being embezzled from them. And <clears throat> they became so embittered, this Christian couple, that they couldn't sleep at night. It was killing them. They were being destroyed by it. Somebody took them to this pastor and said, listen, do the person good. So you know what they did? They found he had a need. He needed to move house, and he needed 3,000 to do it, and they anonymously gave him the 3,000 to move house with. Now, everything in you screams, that's ridiculous. He'd already gotten 27 grand of their money, and they gave him 3,000 more. But you know what happened? It released them. They were able to sleep again. They were able to get over it because they were going to do good in, the spite, uh, in, in spite of the fact that he was doing them bad. The, the lady of the couple actually said that God was blessing them and making up the 27,000 because of their attitude in giving. Now, look, these things are not easy. These things are not for the faint-hearted, but they're very practical and very real may not be possible for you to do something uh, huge in terms of, uh, of money, but you can do some good for the person. You can actually take and do something good for them. You can be a help to them, even though they're doing you wrong and they would gladly do you wrong. And, and by, by the way, <clears throat> we'll look at Romans 12 in a minute, but, but don't be insincere about it. You're going you're, you're to explode the whole thing if you're insincere about it. You know, listen, you're, 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 you're doing them good just so they'll feel bad, or you're doing them good just so you show you're the better person. Do them good from a clean heart, from a good heart. And what you'll find is, you'll find it changes your heart. So you do good for the person who's done you wrong. Look at the third part of, the, of verse 44. <clears throat> and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. Now, to despitefully use you and persecute you, uh, the idea of persecution is to harass and to harry and to go after and to uh, look at all they can do to, uh, to make life difficult, to make life hard for you. And to despitefully use you is to treat you abusively. Do you ever have somebody who treated you abusively? abusively? You know, even the word there. One of, the, one of the biggest problems in our day and age is the fact that people have been abused. They say that one in four has been abused. That means a lot of us would have faced uh, that awful, horrible ordeal in our lives. You know, the idea of abuse. Now, somebody who's 
treated you abusively, somebody who's gone after you, somebody who's hurt you. Bible says the answer to it is pray for them. You listen, that's not easy. That's that, that that's a hard swallow. And that's a hard thing for you to actually do. But you know what? If you'll pray for them, what'll happen is you'll be lining yourself up with God. Now, let's look at the rest of our text and then we'll come back and look at some of this again, right? <clears throat> Verse 45 says, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Don't you ever wish that, did you ever wish that God would bless the good people and just give the bad people a hard time? As long as he thinks you're a good person, that's a great idea, isn't it? The only problem is you haven't always been a good person, have you? <clears throat> in fact, you're still not always a good person. So if God was going to bless the good people and, you know, give the, give the bad people a hard time, you know, we'd all get wiped out eventually. There'd be very few people in the world eventually if God was going to do that. So God blesses both good and bad. God sends his rain. God sends his sunshine. God feeds. God takes care of. God, God looks after everybody. Right? <clears throat> Even those people that are his enemies. And, you know, weren't we enemies of his ones? But God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. What's a sinner? It's an enemy. A sinner is an enemy against God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus gave himself for you knowing you didn't care about him. Knowing that you had no time for him. Knowing that you were bent on your own way and doing your own thing. That Jesus loved you anyway. Now, what you're called to be here, <clears throat> you're called to act like a child of God. You know, a child typically has something of the nature of the parent. Don't we often look at a child and say, oh, yes, he's a chip off the old block. You know, <clears throat> maybe, he'll, maybe he looks like the old block, maybe he acts like the old block, but he's a chip off the old block. I don't we often do that. Listen, you're supposed to be chips off the old block, but the old block in your case is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're supposed to act like him. You're supposed to be like him. And by the way, please don't sidestep it by saying to yourself, ah, listen, but that was Jesus. He was God. I could never be like that. He gave you his Holy Spirit to overcome that problem for you. He put his spirit in you so that you could be different. So that you could have a power that was different working in your life to enable you to be like him. What he calls you to be is he calls you to be a chip off the old block. He calls you to be like Jesus. Remember, that's God's plan. Uh, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But take it in its context. We're very familiar with that verse. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, God planned for you to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And to be conformed is to be shaped like, to be made look like Jesus. You know the fruit of the Spirit? If you go through the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is the characteristics of Jesus. Listen, you have the fruit of the Spirit, 
you know, manifesting itself in your life because God, the Spirit of God is within you. You know what? You're going to be like Jesus. God wants you to be like Jesus. Now, if all things work together for good, and the context is to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you think it's possible that the enemy in your life is there so that God could make you like Jesus? Do you think it's possible that what God is doing in your life is actually making you like Jesus? Of course it is. That's exactly what he's doing. We fight and we wrestle and we stand against and we, we, we try with everything that's in us not to let ourselves go to the place where um, we're, 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 we're yielding to the work of God in our lives because that's our enemy. But an enemy can be the emissary of God to make you like Jesus. And you need not to fight against that enemy. You need to come to the place where you recognize this is God's work in my life. And start acting like a son of God in it. Start acting like you're a child of God. You see, the children of God are a different kind of a creature. Everyone that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, it's, you're, you're changed. You're a new creature. You're, 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 you're somebody who's got a different power uh, resting within you. You can love the unlovable. You can do things that are impossible to do. You just got to let the Spirit of God have his way in your life, and you got to act like a child of God. And you treating your enemies right is just simply that, acting like a son of God. And by the way, it's as basic a command as there comes in the Christian life. You can, you can get into your theology and you can get into everything else, but you know what? You'll find from Matthew all the way through to Revelation, this idea of love just keeps coming up. It just keeps coming up and it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. Jesus doesn't ever let it go. He keeps, he keeps after it and after it and after it. Because if you're failing in this one, you're failing. It's not like, you know, you may, you've built this huge tower of spirituality on this side, but you can't love. No, no, no. You don't have a tower of spirituality if you can't love. It's the basic building block. It's the one that gets you going. It's the first step where you're able to overcome and you're able to love. <clears throat> that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Verse 46, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Listen, what does it take to love the people that love you? Nothing. That's very human. That's very, very basic. I can love the people that love me. That's real easy. <clears throat> but what reward is there in that? What, what blessing is there going to be in that for you? By the way, there's going to be a reward for people uh, that love their enemies. We'll see some of it in a minute, but there's going to be a reward. God's going to give you a reward for it. Now look at the next verse. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Remember, the publicans were the tax gatherers. They were the lowlifes of their day. And listen, they saluted their brethren. You're no better than them. He says, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now listen, here's a place 
where you get to demonstrate the reality of your sonship, of your daughtership. You get to demonstrate the reality that you're a child of God. And here's an area where you can actually leave the world behind in the sense that they can't do what you're, going, you're called to do. Because they're not their sons. Here's an area where you can actually demonstrate the difference between you and the world because you're able to love those that hate you. But you've got to do it. You've got to actually do what it's telling you to do. Now, what's it telling you to do? Look again in verse... <clears throat> Forty-four. Love your enemies. Okay, that's the overall. Uh, <clears throat> bless them that curse you. Can you speak well of people that speak badly of you? You can say, yeah, amen, yeah, I can do that. Can't you do that? Tongues are tied. We're stuck here. Can you speak well of people that speak badly of you? Can you? I'm not asking you, do you, all right? I'm asking, can you? Yeah. Pardon? <laughs> no, here's the thing, right? You can actually speak it. And, you know, when Lincoln was talking about that guy, um, uh, Douglas, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, cre say, telling lies about the guy. He was saying things he had actually noticed that were good about the guy. Listen, is there some good in your enemy? Is there? Of course there is. He probably has a family that love him. They think he's wonderful. You know, there's some good in him. You, listen, you may look at him and think he's a lowlife, and, <clears throat> you know, and you'd be happy to read his name in the obituary columns. But you know what? There are some people that see something different in him and that love him. And if you really look closely enough, you'll find good in him. You know, when we get bitter, we can't see any good in people at all. When we get better, we look at people and we think, it's a waste of space. But they're not. They're children of the living God sometimes. They're his creation. He's got a purpose for them in the world. There's always some good in them. There's always something good. You can always find something that you can genuinely say. And listen, if you can't ask God, God will show you something good about them. Something you can genuinely say about them. That's good. This guy hated Lincoln, but you know what? Lincoln was able to say good things about him because they were true. By the way, there's another story told about um, <clears throat> Lincoln when he when he won the presidential election. He was running against a guy or, or a guy who was involved in the uh, other campaign whose name was Staunton. And Staunton, listen, he was merciless in his criticism of Lincoln. Uh, <clears throat> He, he, he even said this. He was quoted as saying this. Uh, you don't want a tall, lanky, ignorant man like this as the President of the United States. That would be kind of hard to get, get over, wouldn't it? <laughs> Particularly if you became President. Because <laughs> now you'd have the power in your hands. Well, Lincoln was looking for a Secretary of War. And he scoured the country and he picked Staunton. And his, his advisor said to him, uh, uh, don't you know the derogatory statements he's made about you? Don't you know what he thinks of you? And Lincoln said, yeah, I know, but he's the best man for the job. And he appointed him. By the way, one of the, one of the best eulogies that Lincoln got came from this man, Staunton. He could look back when Lincoln was gone uh, and say that now he belongs to the ages and talk wonderfully about the character of this man that he had just uh, scorched. 
But you know, <clears throat> what was Lincoln doing there? Lincoln was finding good in somebody who could find no good in him. I want, to, I want you to think for a second, who's the winner in that scenario? Who's the winner? The, win the guy who can find the most wrong in the other person or the guy who can find good in the other person? Who's the one that's bound? Who's the one that can't look the other person in the eye? You see, we want to be overcomers. We want to be children of the living God. We want to walk with him. But you know what? There's a nitty-gritty involved in it sometimes that's not very palatable to us. There's a having to face off with ourselves and overcoming ourselves reactions that are purely of the earth. And when we face off with ourselves and when we deal with those reactions, you know what? We can overcome. We can be different. You see, <clears throat> God says he wants you to love your enemies. He wants you to bless them that curse you. Now, you can do that. Amen? You could bless them that curse you. Um, you could do good to them that hate you. You could find something good to say about them, and you could do something good for them. Couldn't you? That's hard, isn't it? This is real Christianity, though. This is you actually stepping over yourself and doing them good, even though they like nothing better than doing you bad. You're going to do them. But you could do that, couldn't you? Amen? Okay, you could do that. That's a very weak amens tonight, all right? Uh, you're not bringing that amens at any time, uh, but tonight you're really poor, okay? <clears throat> this is tough stuff, isn't it? But you could do it. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not asking you right now for a commitment to do it. I'm just saying you could do it. You could do them good. That person who has made themselves your enemy, you could do good for them. Couldn't you? Amen. Amen. All right, good. All right, well, I'll take that because I could be here all night looking for more than that. All right? Okay. <clears throat> and you could pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You could pray for them. Listen, if that person that despitefully using you and persecuting you is unsaved... What they've got coming to them is going to leave the harm they've done you in the dust. They're going to go to hell, spend eternity there. Not because of what they've done to you, but because they're sinners in need of a Savior and they haven't found him. And, <clears throat> you know, the hard thing about people is that when you actually talk to people who've done other people wrong... What you find out is you find out a whole pot of pain in their lives, too. People typically don't do wrong to other people for the fun of it. People do wrong to other people because wrong's been done to them. And they're reacting to it. And it gets hard when you begin to delve into the situation and find out what it is that caused that person to be like they are. It gets hard. You know the difference between us and them? Grace. That's really the difference. You know, Spurgeon was <clears throat> uh, preached a sermon on rejoice, in everything rejoice, and then he went for a walk in, uh, in the park in the afternoon, and somebody knocked him down and took his money. And, of course, somebody had heard the sermon and, uh, and was riled by the sermon said, now, how are you going to rejoice in that? And Spurgeon said this. He said, well, I can rejoice that he mugged me and I didn't mug him. I said, which would you rather be, the mugged or the mugger? Who's the biggest mug? <laughs> you listen, I'm telling you, 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 listen, you don't want to be the one that's doing the wrong. You're better off being the one that's having the wrong done to you. 
Because the one that's doing the wrong has a whole set of other problems. You know, understand that when somebody hurts you, there's always a reason. Now, that doesn't get them off the hook. That doesn't say it's okay. That doesn't say, you know, well, listen, that's just good enough for you because they, they were hurting. No, listen, somebody somebody hurts you, they're doing wrong, they, they, they need to deal with that uh, themselves. But <clears throat> you know what? It's never just as cut and dried as we want it to be when we want to hate somebody. People hurt us because they're hurting too. And we end up catching it. And God says, I want you to change it. Instead of this cycle of pain and hurt and bitterness and vengeance going on and on and on, I want you to absorb it. And I want to give you the power to do it. I want to give you the power to stop passing it on. Because, you know, hurting people hurt people. And when you're bitter, you want to hurt somebody. But, you know, bitterness doesn't stay where you put it. The Bible says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therewith many be defiled. You know, a lot of people get hurt when you get bitter. A lot of people get hurt when you don't deal with the hurts that have been done to you properly. You see, you've got to actually come to the place where you deal with it. You say, but it's not fair. They need to pay. That's not your problem. The problem for you is, in your efforts to make them pay, you end up paying. And the people you love end up paying as well. Because you've got to overcome. Now, skip to Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19 is getting down to the nitty-gritty of this passage. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Listen, when we don't love somebody who's done us wrong, always we're harboring the idea of we'd like revenge. We'd like to get even. And if we can't get even, we'd like someone to get else to get even for us. That's what's in our hearts. You, you dig deep enough. And that's what's there. And God says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. And you know what that means? That means get out of the way. Give place unto wrath. Get out of the way. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you know every wrong that's ever been done gets paid for? Every wrong. You've not been done wrong that somebody gets away scot-free with. Every wrong that's ever been done gets paid for. Every time you do wrong, there's a cost price. There's a cost on it. There's a price tag. Every time. And every time somebody else does wrong, there's a price tag. Because there's God in heaven that sees it all, knows it all, and watches it all. And he's able to deal with it. The only problem is he's not on your payroll and he doesn't do it according to your wishes. 
He doesn't do it when you tell him to do it. He doesn't do it when you get upset and get fed up and you, you want it dealt with right now. He doesn't do that. But he does deal with it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. You know what? Your seeking for justice is over. Because God says, I'll deal with it. Don't you worry about it anymore. I'll deal with it. And you're able to let go because he says he'll deal with it. You know, <clears throat> uh, when Jesus was on the cross and they, and they mocked him and they scorned him and they reviled him, the Bible says, you know what he did? He didn't retaliate in any way. But he trusted himself to him that judgeth righteous judgment. What did he do? He put it in the Father's hands. Him that judgeth righteous judgment. He let the Father deal with it. He put it in his hands. Do you know what? There's wonderful peace in putting it in the Father's hands. There's wonderful peace when you get it off your shoulders and put it in his hands. Now, Lord, this is your problem. I'm giving it over to you. You said you'd deal with it. I'm going to put it in your hands. You deal with it, Lord. Lord, you take it over. See what else it says here. <clears throat> Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, that is not you trying to do good to him so God will get him worse. That's not you trying to manipulate him into feeling bad because you're doing nice things for him even though he's being mean to you. You stepped out of the picture uh, in <clears throat> verse 19 and you left it in God's hands. But you know what? When you step out of the picture, you recognize how big a trouble he's in. If he's unsaved, he's in terrible trouble. If he's saved and God starts dealing in his life, that's dreadful. You bless him in every way you possibly can. Remember the story was told about the, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the lady who was Christian and her husband was unsaved. And um, one night late, he brought in a gang of friends and uh, they came into the house and he, he, he had bragged that his wife would actually get up and make them food if they went to, uh, <clears throat> to his house. And so, you know what? He was right. This Christian woman got up, back out of her bed and came down and made food for her husband and, 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 and his drunken buddies that came in that night. And uh, yeah, that, that's a big stretch. And then one of them asked her, how come you do that? And she said this. She said, see my husband? He doesn't know Christ as his Savior. He's going to hell. This is probably the only good anyone will ever be able to do him. And I'm going to do it while I can. Well, you know what? He overheard. And it stuck for him. And he ended up getting saved. But isn't that a truth? If somebody's facing the torture of God dealing with them, and you can do them good, wouldn't you want to do them good? You see, what you have to do is you have to get a big picture. You have to understand he's in charge. He's ruling in this thing. He's dealing in this thing. And you have to come to the place where you're trusting him to do it, and you're stepping out of the picture. And then you look at the situation in a whole different light altogether. Because, oh my, God's on the job now. He's going to deal with it. I wonder, can I be a blessing to them because they're really in trouble? It changes the picture entirely. Now, I want you to catch the last part of this verse here. Of this passage, verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't you want to be an overcomer? 
Don't you want to be somebody who sails above the storms? Or who flies above the storm? Don't you want to be somebody who's actually able uh, to overcome in spite of what people have done to you? There, there are people that do it. There are people that overcome dreadful deals that have happened to them. But you know how they do it? They do it this way. They need Jesus to enable them. So many people get destroyed by bitterness and it's a destruction of their own making. They won't admit that to you. They will look at the other person and say, it's his fault that I'm bitter. But it's never somebody else's fault that you're bitter. Bitterness is an, an, etern an internal thing. It's in you. It's your response to the wrong somebody has done you. And that's what will kill you. That's what will eat your life up and chew you up and spit you out. And it's you doing it to you. The other person didn't do it. And they couldn't. They couldn't create a response in you. You did the responding. You got bitter. And bitterness is like a is like you drinking acid. It'll destroy you. It'll eat you alive. And the only way for you not to be bitter is for you to come to the place where you love your enemy. That person that's in your heart that you know, listen, if they had the chance, they would do you damage and they would do it bad. Or they have done you damage in the past. Now listen, they don't care. They have no intention of making it right with you and they have no intention of dealing with you on the, on the right scale. They, 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 they would do it again if they got the chance. That person that's done you all the wrong, the only way for you to overcome is for you to love your enemy. Is for you to Bless them that curse you. It's for you to do good to them that hate you. It's for you to pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. And you can do those three things. They're hard, but they're far from impossible. You can do them. You can set out and you can do them. Listen, you'll need to pray for that person every day. You need to put them on your prayer list and you need to pray for them every day. Lord, bless them. Lord, meet their need. Lord, save them. Lord, do good in their lives. You'll need to do good for them where you can. You'll need to speak well of them to yourself and to others. And you know what will happen? You'll find you're like your Heavenly Father. Because that's what he does. Because he loved you when there was nothing good to be found in you, didn't he? He loved you when your heart was full of wickedness and you were going your own way and doing your own thing. And by the way, if you don't believe that for everyone in this room, your theology is skewed. Because the depravity of man is real. And every one of us in this room had a blackened, darkened heart that was going its own way, doing its own thing. But God loved you. And listen, you didn't find Christ. Christ found you. And He drew you to Himself. And He loved you when you were totally unworthy of it. 
And he says to you, I want you to love others in the same way. I want you to love others. I want you to pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. I want you to do good to them that hate you. And I want you to bless them that curse you. And you either make the decision tonight to overcome and to be like him, to be like Jesus, or you make the decision to hug your chains and to stay in the cage that you put yourself in and to hold on to your bitterness. You know, it really doesn't take much of a brain to work out which choice you should make. But the problem is that it's hard for us sometimes to let go of the old chains. It's hard for us to get out of the bondage that we've imposed upon our own lives. It's hard for us to step beyond the place where we hate that person because they hate us and we're looking for them to be hurt. And we're waiting for them to be... It's hard for us to do that. But you know what? The cost of not doing it is way too great to bear. That's Bowerhead's. I believe the Spirit of God is dealing with us tonight. <clears throat> I believe he's got his hand on some hearts and he's dealing with them. And tonight God is speaking to you and dealing with you and showing you a decision that you need to make. Now the decision that you're about to make is going to be life-changing. You're going to have to let go of the hatred in your heart towards somebody and you're going to have to change that hatred into love. And it's not a feeling and it's not romantic inclination. What it is, is it's you're going to do them good. You're going to bless them. Uh, <clears throat> you're going to pray for them. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be real. But you're going to be different in the way you treat them because of what's going to happen in your heart right now. And the Spirit of God is dealing with you and he's saying, listen, I want you to do Would you do this? For me, would you lift your hand? I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward in a moment. But would you lift your hand and say, God is dealing with me tonight. Pastor, what you're saying is hitting me. God is dealing with me. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 Many tonight. Amen. I'm going to pray. And when I've done praying, the piano's going to play. And as God has dealt with you, I want to come. I want you to come and, and do business with him. Lay it on the altar and leave it there. Walk away different. Walk away tonight loving that person that has done you so much wrong. It's not natural. It's not human. It's supernatural. It's God's work in you. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word to us this evening. Thank you, Lord, for, Lord, a power and an ability to be different because of you. Now, Lord... There are burdens and there are hurts and there are pains in this room, Lord, that probably if we knew of, Lord, we'd all weep. But, Lord, you know every one of them. You know every pain, every hurt, every wrong that's been done. And, Lord, help each one tonight to put it in your hands that you can deal with it and that they can stay out of it, Lord, and let you do what you want to do in it. And, Lord, I pray you bring instant comfort to hearts tonight, Lord, because... Uh, Lord, the pain of these matters is great. Blessed Spirit of the living God, your name is Comforter. Would you comfort tonight those that come and those that deal uh, with bitterness before you? Would you comfort, Lord, those that have got hurts? And Lord, would you enable by your power 
that we should love like you do. In Jesus' name.